gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to another episode of talking halos i am your host today jared timms and i'm joined alongside my co-host my partner in crime nate green nate how you doing i'm doing great jared how about yourself not bad it's good to see you um by the way this is this is still a little bit weird i don't know if it's ever not gonna be weird um but it's still a little bit weird uh, apologize for not posting on friday uh like i said you know we went into uh the vid protocols I guess we can go that far with it. Um, and I also have a, uh, a Rocky chair now. So if you see me starting to like spin around and everything, that's going to be why. Because I, I, I do that a lot. He can't sit still, people. Yeah, no, I can't. I really can't. Like, I, I got the Rex Hudler syndrome at the moment, too. I have the ball going. So Rex Hudler. Um, so we're going we're gonna to go with that today, which I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, again, guys, if, you, if you're just listening to us, uh, go on to YouTube. Uh, watch us from now on. You can look up Talking Halos. You can um, watch us on there or, or not. You know, you can just keep listening to us. Um, we've just decided to open up a whole new spectrum here, uh, with YouTube. Um, so you can see our beautiful faces and, and hopefully see our guests. And I, I think it's going to kind of be maybe a little bit easier to explain things too. Like I was th- talking, thinking about this and like, we can talk about Griffin Canning a lot better right now. Now I mean, we can have a ball and we can be like, well, Griffin Canning has a fastball that goes straight, a fastball that does this and a fastball that does that. And it, it just makes a lot more sense. And our followers, that are listening to it can't see it, but you know, you'll get the gist of it. You'll, you'll understand. Um, and like I said, I'm just super excited uh, to get this all going again um, from the new years. We, you know, kind of a slow start last week to everything. Um, fortunately, Brock couldn't uh, join us this week. Um, not this week, but he might be on uh, Tuesday or Thursday. We'll kind of see how that goes with, with work and everything from him. Um, but yeah, super excited. I think I've said super excited like eight or nine times. As you can tell, I'm I'm just excited to talk some baseball. Like I know there's not a lot of baseball going on right now, but it's just it's just in our blood. Like talk baseball. I know that your opening day is right around the corner. Are you excited for that? Absolutely. I mean, it's a great feeling. I'm gonna miss five games in in six days is gonna be a grind, but it's gonna be fun. It's a. I, I don't know how you guys did there, Vanguard, with two coaches for the longest time. That's that's uh that's brutal. Um, we had twelve coaches, and that was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, we have four coaches, and I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to go. But yeah. it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, we we open up with uh, with a tough schedule, so I, I I'm really excited to see how good we are because everyone says we're good, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, GSAC's always fun. Uh, preseason's always fun in the in the GSAC too because you got to play a lot of good teams and and Vanguard, Hope, uh, Westmont, all those teams are always going to be really good. Um, I know they probably won't be ranked. All that high, highly. Uh, for some reason, I think the GSAC always gets snubbed, but it's, but in my opinion, it's one of the evenly ba- most evenly balanced best uh, leagues in the NAIA. And I mean, heck, even probably D three, two, or even D two, because I think that the NAIA is just as good as that. So, yeah. it, it it really is. If you guys ever have a chance to go out and see an uh, NAIA game, go watch. It's a lot of um, older bounce backs, let's say. Yeah. Um, that had a chance to play division one baseball, still really good talent. Um, a lot of home runs. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's a little bit different, but it's, it's still baseball. And it's a lot of fun. And, 
and I'm excited to see what the boys do this year. So Nate, as you know, I like to start this podcast off with a question. I know we just kind of got into like random talk there, but I like to talk, start this podcast off with a question. And we talked about it a little bit off the record, asked it on Twitter, and I, I want to bring it to the show now. I'm going to add another name onto this. I got five names. One of them gets your vote for the Hall of Fame. It's easy. Actually, let's go two because where do I go? No, let's go two because the first, like one's an automatic, I think. Okay. Um, the other one's Hall of Really, Really Good. Probably could be in the Hall of Fame. Probably not. All five catchers. Buster Posey, Yadier Molina, Brian McCann, Russell Martin, and Joe Maurer. You have five. You get two picks. Let's just take one off the board. Let's say Buster Posey is probably yeah. going to get in the Hall of Fame, right? Three yeah. World Series rings, one of the best catchers uh, of the decade. Maybe, uh, MVP, uh, yeah, he, he's done it all. Cool. So we got four more votes to put one guy in the Hall of Fame. Or I guess we got four players, one vote. We get to put one of them in the Hall of Fame. I think all four of them, in retrospect, Hall of really, really good. And I know Joe Maurer, like Minnesota Twins fans are probably going to hate this, but Joe Maurer, Hall of really, really good. Um, one of the best at his position for a long time, kind of like Buster Posey. Didn't have the postseason accolades, unfortunately, that Buster Posey did, and I think that's kind of what differentiates those two. Because um, you look at when you look at their numbers, they're very similar numbers, very good pure hitters, probably a little more power on Posey's in compared to Maurer. A lot more. Yeah, a lot, a lot more, especially in the ballpark too. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different, but, but yeah, um, I think that, you know, Maurer and Posey are close minus the power and minus the, the, you know, that, uh, that postseason uh, thing that Buster Posey did, you know, that's kind of big, but who's your vote going for? Yeah. So it's actually interesting. Two of these guys have not played for more than one team. I mean, Maurer and Yachty, only one team. Like, that does not happen very often, which is kind of well, interesting. But. And four, three of the five guys that I mentioned did that. Three of the five? Did, 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 yeah. did McCann go somewhere else either? I guess Posey, Molina, and Maurer. McCann went to the Yankees, and I think he was an Astro one time. Um, and Martin, you know, he played for 15 different teams. But um, So I, I like to give those guys a little bit – extra just because they they did it all with one team they didn't have to go somewhere to get into the playoffs or they didn't have to go somewhere to win a world series whatever it is um but but i think and and you're gonna hate this but it's yadier molina is my vote um i know the numbers aren't as high as maybe a joe mauer or russell martin or brian mccann but i think what yadier molina brings to the team is unmatched you know just the leadership the control of the run game like the the Cardinals pitchers don't have to worry about is this guy going to steal on me because nobody steals on Yachty or Molina it's like no nobody even thinks about doing it like not even Billy Hamilton's like you know it's Yachty or back there I'm not 100% I'm gonna go but like so that's something and then being a part of the World Series he's had some clutch postseason moments I mean if you think about he's kind of done everything I know the numbers aren't as good as, like we said, the other three guys. But the fact they did it all with one team, um, the fact that he was able to do it at the catching position really – I think the biggest thing is he is the – if you look up catcher in the dictionary, it's like a picture of him just because of he does everything. He's not just an offensive guy. He's not just a defensive guy. He, he kind of does a little bit of everything. So yeah, my vote is Yadier Molina. 
That's fair. No, I, I get it. I understand why you can pick Yachty and Merlina and, and, and also off the record, not off the record, but on a side note here, fantastic Angels hat. I saw you wearing it and I kind of smiled. I was like, oh, Ronnie. Yeah. That's good. My favorite one. Yeah, favorite. No, that's a good hat. We'll, we'll talk about hats. <laughs> we'll get bored enough where we have to talk about hats. Um, however, I'm with Yachty. It's tough. If I'm putting Yachty in and, and if – don't do it. Scale back. Scale back a little bit. Don't here. do it. Let me scale back. All right. So if we're, if I, we have to put one of these guys in, and, and he's not my vote. He's not my vote. Um, Yachty for me, in, in real life, because this isn't real life, but you know what I'm saying. Yachty for me is like Omar Vizquel, and I can't put if I if I'm putting Yachty in, that means we need to put Omar Vizquel in. That means we need to put all the all these guys in that are Hall of Really Good that played for a long time. Jamie Moyer, you know, not that Jamie Moyer is going to go in or anything like that, but um, you know, those guys that played for a while and accumulated the stats for such a long time. Yachty's kind of that way for me too. You know, I I, I haven't that's that's my real life issue with him. And again, I'm not going to pick him here because I don't think he's he's the best catcher out of out of all of them. He's not he's he's not that dude. Um, so I, I'm not picking Yachty in this situation. I'm not picking him in real life because I think he's got the Omar Vizquel. Um, Brian McCann's super interesting. I, I think he's a very one of the most underrated guys. He's the most underrated guy on this list, 100. Yeah. Um, I think Joe Maurer's the most overrated guy on this list. Uh, so. In a sense, in a sense, I know that everybody's going to freak out. Oh my God, Jared said Joe Maurer's overrated. No, I don't think he's actually overrated. I just think of, of these people, I think that he's a little bit. I think he's overrated. Um, I don't think he's as good. And same thing with Yachty. I think Yachty's a little overrated on this list. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that I haven't mentioned yet. And you look at, you look at catchers and, and you look at everybody and you look at what they get paid to do. And that's catch the ball. Job description, right? Yep. Pitch frame, all that stuff. Block, throw guys out. And Yachty has done a fantastic job of that. Amazing job. Stats-wise, you know, he's done a great job of handling pitchers. Russell Martin is a better defensive catcher, statistically speaking. Than, than any of these guys. And that's why I, my, my second vote after Buster Posey goes to him. I think Russell Martin is going to get snubbed out of a lot of real life Hall of Fame votes because of all the different teams he's been on and, and such like that. But I just, I, I think that, you know, you go look at his numbers and he was, he, he was one of the best catchers during his time and, and, and one of the best actual catchers, job description, you know, going out there and doing his job, catching, uh, throwing guys out and such like that. Um, and the stats kind of back it up a, as well. Not that Yachty doesn't or anything like that, but I just think, you know, you mentioned the intangibles with Yachty um, being a leader, you know, and and making sure his pitchers are comfortable. I think that that isn't worth a Hall of Fame vote, in my opinion. Um it's funny yeah. you look at their wars the exact same. I, I know, but Yachty you know, and you're a Russell, did, guy. Russell Martin did it in, in uh, 800 less games, was it? You're You're big more but 800 less games for Russell Martin. Uh, let me look. 800. I think it was uh, Yachty's at 2,100 games, 2,200 games um, already. And well, Russell Martin 20. did 1,600, 1,500. Um, because uh, you look at Buster Posey, and Buster Posey only played uh, 13 to 1,400 games, too. Yeah, he missed a whole year, too. Exactly. Well, that's why Buster Posey's going in, too. I mean, is, again, it's not that Buster Posey is going in, into the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I, I just I, – I wanted to get your vote on this. 
you know, what, what did the stats say on this, Nate? Was I right, 600 less games for Russell uh, Martin? 450 or something like that. Four, four less seasons. I mean, when you look at it from catchers, probably five less seasons than, than Yachty's done it. I mean, then again, you can put then – then again, you can put Yachty's been a catcher for, for that long, you know, 20 years on his knees. That's not – okay, that's kind of weird. But 20 years catching, you know, 20 years of, you know, taking it uh, – that's that's tough you know so I get the argument for Yachty I I do you know maybe I'm kind of talking myself into it too but um but you know when you're looking from the stats and game games per you know fan graphs or whatever you want to look at it games per stats yeah um Russell Martin did it did it better for shorter which is weird to say that then longer I don't know. I, I think Molina, just the fact that he was able to do it that long was is impressive. Um, and for the same team, like you mentioned. And, and the World Series, too. I mean, he's got multiple World Series. Does Martin have one? Did he I have mean, most of, his career, most of his career with, with, is with the Dodgers, and they didn't. They still don't have one. So... I don't think he, I don't think he got one. Now, now, now we can turn this question and ask, did, does... Uh, does um, Yachty get in in real life? I still think he does in real life. I think just because all the voters are going to, he gets he gets a lot of like love from voters for everything. That's why he wins um, Gold Glove every year, whether he deserves it or not. He gets it every year because the voters love him. So I think that uh, when it comes awesome. down to it, the voters are going to continue to vote for him. Whether they they might look at the numbers and be like, eh, you know, maybe he didn't deserve it, but it's still going to be one of those like. How do I not vote for this guy? It's, you know, like it's almost like the Derek Jeter thing where people are like, did Derek Jeter deserve to be that that high and all that? And then you look at the numbers, it's like maybe he didn't, but like it's Derek Jeter. It's Derek. Oh, and Derek Jeter is a face of baseball. You know, like I don't yeah. think Yachty's face. It's the same. Well, it's the same thing you can say for um, for David Ortiz. I don't think David Ortiz should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, if Vladimir Guerrero wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer, I don't think David Ortiz should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think they're very similar at the, at the end of the day. I think I think Big Poppy was better than Vladdy, but when when you look at it, I mean, at least Vlad played a position and he's had an attribute at a different position. He had that absolute cannon. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Vlad wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think. I think that I think that first ballot Hall of Famers, and this is why I, I don't I don't like the vote for steroid guys in the first year like you kind of slap on the wrist you can't be a first ballot hall of famer that's fine you know like a rod's not going to get in this year for that reason exactly a rod should probably get in because of what he did um i just think it's a slap on the wrist you know like it, it's an honor to be a, a hall yeah, of famer first it's off, a privilege to be, to be a first ballot. It's, it's an absolute honor 100 percent. and that's when it gets tough for me to to, to say that and there should be certain guys like Derek Jeter is a first ballot Hall of Famer because it's Derek freaking Jeter. Like he did mm-hmm. so many things like not Griffey. only with the game. Uh, yeah, Griffey's another one. Like there are just certain players that like you you are familiar with with baseball. Mike Trout is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, regardless of what he does, like he could quit now and probably still be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of how yeah. how good he is. So yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. Um, I think we're gonna have a lot of a lot of talks about Hall of Fame here in the upcoming weeks and, and months, because this ballot's super interesting. Um, and, and I'm, ex- like I said, I'm always excited to talk about baseball, but it, it's going to be really interesting um, to talk about it. So let's get on to a little bit more baseball news, something I don't normally talk about baseball, like baseball as a whole news, because this is talking halos and, and it's 
angels, but I mean, I feel like we got to kind of talk about this first female manager in the minor leagues. Did you see that? I did. The Yankees. Pretty interesting. Um, Rachel, I'm going to screw up this last name so mm-hmm. bad. We all know it. Rachel Balkovic. Balkovic? Balk? That's what you're the host. I don't have to worry about that. Balkovic. I don't know how to say it. Um, but it's a, um, it's an honor. That's pretty cool. That's, that's really awesome that the game has gotten to this. Um, I kind of just want to get our initial thoughts on this because um, first off, we both played and how would you feel about playing? And I don't want to really get deep into this. Like we don't, I guess we don't have to get into this, but I feel like it would be a little bit different because I mean, it's the same thing that the same argument that we have with Rob Manfred, right? Mm-hmm. Like Rob yeah. Manfred didn't play the yeah. game at a high level, right? So it's hard to really get connected with Rob Manfred in baseball. Same thing with, you know, any female in baseball. And and then I, I, like I said, I'm not, I don't, like I said, I don't want to get into this like that, but I feel like it would be a little bit different and a little bit weird. Um, just because it, nobody was around. It's like, it would be like me going talking to Mike Trout about hitting or you talking to, you know, Griffin Canning about pitching. I mean, granted, we were coaches at the college level and we were this, 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 and this, and, and, and such like that. But it's kind of that same thing where, you know, you just don't have. Or if you're going to Team USA softball and trying to talk hitting to them. That's what it is. Yes, 100%. 100%. And, and the, that's the biggest thing for me is, like, it's not the same sport. You know, it, it's very hard. You know, like, with basketball, it makes sense, you know, that the sport is basically identical, whether it's, it's uh, men's basketball or women's basketball, you can still play in the pros. You can still do everything the same. It's very, very similar when it comes to football. Like that's very, very tough for me. Like how do you, first of all, how do you motivate a team to play for, for someone who has never, you know, played at that level before and, or even at the college level, uh, because there is no college football for, for women. Like they, they could play at the men's level, but it doesn't happen that often. So that's, that's the hardest thing where there are certain sports like soccer, again, like very similar. The only difference, you know, maybe there's a little bit more uh, physicality, but I mean, for the most part, it's a pretty similar game. So um, really, really cool for her. Awesome. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um the one cool thing about the Yankees is they kind of do let uh, coaches coach and they kind of do let managers manage the game. They do it right. Aaron Boone is allowed to actually manage a baseball game. He is not Dave Roberts, a puppet. Um, Did I just say that? But um, we're going to talk about that shortly. So, okay. Um, I didn't even know what we're talking about yet. So yeah, that's, that's kind of going to be interesting to see how, how they do. And, you know, I don't know, like, how are some guys going to feel about uh, the locker room? How are, how are some guys going to feel about um, about the way they talk and about the way they do things? I, I don't know. I, I've never been in this situation. I, I don't know how it would be. Um, just speaking from experience, though, like I played for a guy in junior college who did not play play college. Like he played up to high school. And like it was very hard for me to respect him when he was like, oh, it's not that hard. All you got to do is this. I'm like, well, it's not that hard. Why weren't you here? Like, come on, don't give me that. So that that's the one issue that, that could come up is, you know, like maybe somebody says something and it's like, well, who, 
what you you never did this so that's the only issue but i mean for the most part it should be it, it it'll be an interesting year for sure yeah it's something to keep an eye on for sure and, and the last thing that i worry about too um is the different style of play that different players bring to the table and by that i mean the players that come from not the united states play a different style of baseball um and they're taught a different style they, they're taught a different way you know so i i do worry about the respect in a sense mm-hmm. and and you know what how they are going to feel about the game that too you know like imagine jason dominguez because jason jason dominguez is probably going to play there possibly uh, jason dominguez is, is from the dominican republic of venezuela um, I think dominican. um and dominican republic baseball is is different you know, than, than the United States baseball. And, and this is something that I've always brought up, I've always mentioned, is gone to the World Baseball Classic. You've gone to the World Baseball Classic. It's a different atmosphere there. You know, you, we, a lot of people, some people get mad at the way the Dominicans, the way the Venezuelans, the way that the island boys play. And I have no problem with that. You know, it's a different, it's, it's something that when we talk, we, I think we dedicated a whole podcast to it. Uh, it's something that the angels need, you know, is that type of baseball that, and and I don't know how that plays um, respect-wise, in a sense. I don't know if it's a bad thing or good thing or bad. Yeah. I got one other question for you. What about, like, manhood-wise? So you, you're going to have these guys who are very, very arrogant. We talked about this off the record the other day. There are some guys who are, hey, I'm a first-rounder. first, I'm a first rounder. I went to this college. Like, I'm a dude. Yeah. Well, what happens if, if she jumps that guy, you know, like starts yelling at him, saying, hey, we can't have this crap. you got to be better than that. It's like. And there's, hey, no, hey, hey, and there's no pushing. And there's no pushing. There's, and there's, no, first round. there's no pushing and shoving. You, you can't like there, there's a lot of things that you know change now. All of a sudden in the clubhouse, there's a lot of things. You know, it's I, I'm not that there's a lot of pushing and shoving when it comes to to this, but like, how do you like you know if if um, how do you handle it? Yeah, like if Joe Madden says you know Justin Upton like we got to pick this up or Mike Trout we got to pick this up like guys kind of look at him and go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I got to be better. Yeah. But what if she does that? Do they look at her and just be like, "Screw you!" Like I'm, you know, a first rounder. Or do they? I don't know. That's going to be something very interesting. Is the respect factor, and I think that's the biggest hurdle that every coach has, whether it's at the college level, the professional level, even at the high school level. Um, I mean, I was a 25 year old head coach, and just trying to get the respect of the 18-year-olds was difficult for the first couple of weeks. And then once they found out, like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about, and this guy, you know, isn't going to mess around, it was like, all right. Like, the respect factor got picked up real, real quick, and it was a really good year. We made the playoffs and things like that. But that's that's going to be something that's going to have to be developed. And, again, with the minor leaguers being able to change so often, you know, you go from – she's not going to have the same 26-man roster for the entire year. so. Maybe she has 26 people who respect her, and then somebody goes up, somebody goes down, and, you know. So those are the issues that I could see, but really, really cool thing, you know. Oh, hopefully the Yankees have, have a great year, and, you know. Yeah. No, and it's it's the Yankees. They're going to produce no matter what. Like, I don't think this hurts them at all. If anything, I think this helps them in the long run because I think this – I think mentally this will help help these players, you know. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, like it's it's a mental it's, – it's a different mentality. Um, I, I think, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna help them at the end of the day. I really yeah. do. I think that that's that's a big part of the game, and I think that the Yankees do it right, and the Yankees wouldn't 
that's a weird thing to say. I know that fans are going to hate that, but the Yankees really do do it right when it comes to development. And they wouldn't put, you know, somebody that shouldn't be out there, out there in, in a situation that shouldn't happen. So yeah, I, I'm, I, it's, it's a very awesome thing, but I'm intrigued. I, I'm intrigued and excited to see how that plays out during the season. It's something we're probably all going to keep an eye on it. I mean, I'm excited to see her get ejected. What's happen? Have you seen her uh, bench coaches? That could be a big deal too, depending on who the bench coach is. Like if it's a respected guy, that could be, that That's could be a big, big deal. So yeah, I don't know who it is. There's a lot of question marks. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, it's, it definitely a lot of question marks. So next order of business, we actually have some angels news, actually a lot of angels news. Um, we're going to get onto right now. Uh, Ty Butcher announced tonight as we were recording this, basically that he would like to return to the angels on his Twitter space. Um, and I believe that was first supported by Taylor Blake Ward. I always you know, got to throw it his way because you know, he, uh, he's Most likely. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like, uh, I, I, this is the first that we're hearing about it, but I'm sure that, uh, Ty Butcher has been in contact with the angels and I'm sure the angels would like to have him back. I, I, I actually, technically, I don't know if he can be he's not allowed to talk to them. Well, so I, I, I actually, no, I don't know. No, Cause he's, he's not, part, no, he's, he's part of the players. It doesn't matter. Like he's part of the players association because he's a restricted player. Regardless, I'm sure that some type of conversation has happened. I don't know. I, I think that might be the the reason why it's worded the way it was and not like, Hey, I'm coming back. It's, Hey, I'm, I would be, I would like to come back and not like I am coming back because technically they can't bring him back until, I don't know. Oh. Uh, Tech. Something is done. Technically the official quote, uh, and this one, again from Taylor Blake Ward, I am coming back to play. <laughs> so technically, I mean, he came, he said he's coming back to play, you know, um, and he, he, he forfeited his contract last year, which I mean, less than probably a million dollars. But again, uh, uh, if the angels can find him back, uh, that's a, that's a big bullpen piece. If, even if he's, you know, a quarter of what he was, that's a big bullpen piece. That's an upper nineties fastball with a, with a devastating curveball, and I think he also had the changeup that he would that he would throw in there. That's a that's a back of the bullpen piece for sure. And dare I say he was miss, he he was actually very much so missed last year. As long as he had a good year, I mean, I know the bullpen's volatile and everything, but that's another big piece to to throw in the mix in a bullpen that's had been hurting for a while for the Angels. So I don't know. You have anything else to talk about or say about about that? I just think it makes it easier to move guys up. Like I don't know if Myers is is really the guy to be to be thrown in the eighth inning. I think he's a he's a and really high butchery is. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think you you're able to add him into that slot where it's hey you're probably throwing the seventh or eighth inning depending on righty lefty Myers instead of throwing the eighth inning with a two one two three run lead you're throwing the fifth sixth inning you know up two runs or something like that where it's like, okay, we gave up a run in the six, we can still get this thing back. But, you know, when you're putting Myers in in the eighth inning, and it felt like every time Myers was in, we were holding our breath. I know he had a good second half of the season, but it was just like I felt like he was one of those guys where it's like when he's good, he's good. But when he's not, it's it's rough. And you don't want to be bringing in Iglesias in the eighth inning, you know, very often where it's like, hey, we're asking you at four or five, six outs because Myers struggled two nights in a row or whatever. So. Well, I don't want to see Iglesias in the eighth inning at all anyways because he's a ninth-inning guy. He's a closer. No, no, he, he's fine with the eighth inning. He, he actually said as long as it's a safe situation, you know. You can put me. Yeah, safe situation, he'll throw six outs. He has he, he been on record for saying that as well. I'm, I don't know why I'm, a, I'm big on Russell Iglesias' quotes. I, 
right guy, right guy, right spot. It's something that we've preached all off season. If you listen to this podcast or if you're not watching this podcast um, or if you're watching it for the first time, that's something we've preached all off season is his right guy in the right spot. And um, Iglesias in the right spot. Ty Buttry in the late, late in the game is probably the right spot over Myers. Aaron Loop probably late in the game is the right guy, you know, Chris Rodriguez when he's healthy. Yeah. Chris Rodriguez when he's healthy. Sam Bachman probably at some point, uh, I would assume. So it's, um, again, we're going to preach it. We're going to continue to preach it. We're going to see how it rolls going into the season. But right guy, right spot. Um, the right the right, pl- the right choices being made. And, and this is actually a really good segment into our next talking point because Angels have basically not quite finalized, but they have the makings of a coaching staff. And that is obviously Joe Madden's returning. Um, we have Mike Gallegos going to also return. He's not going to be a third base coach anymore. We'd assume it's going to be Phil Nevin, who has been hired from the Yankees. Uh, Benji Gill, 2002 World Series uh, champion with the Angels. I believe he was coaching down in Mexico. Don't quote me on that. I believe he was coaching. I think he, I think he was as well. I think he was coaching in Mexico. Um, so that's fantastic to know that he has a little bit of, of a background there. Bill Hasselman, I didn't do too much research on him, but I know that he is a former coach. Um, highly respected a lot of people like him so there's that and then also probably the biggest shocker out of all of these the new bench coach Ray Montgomery he was the head of scouting for the Milwaukee Brewers don't quote me on this assistant head of scouting for the Brewers I believe uh, now put he was actually supposed to be the head of scouting for the Angels I believe he's going to stay in that role and he is now also the bench coach so Perry Manassian kind of I think has has kind of sprinkled his guys in a little bit here to Joe Madden's staff. And it's, um, I kind of get worried about, about this a little bit. Uh, Ray Montgomery, not having any coaching experience. There are some benefits from this. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of give my ups and downs on this. Um, I think it's going to be good communication. And it's something that I think that has lacked in the angels coaching to front office. Um, is the communication. And I think that Ray Montgomery is very much so going to secure that and make it, you know, a, a good thing. You know, I think that Ray Montgomery and the players, Ray Montgomery and the, and the coaching staff, Ray Montgomery and the front office are going to be very much so connected. Um, kind of like in that Ben Rowan role uh, in, in a sense, um, how he's going to be around the team, but in the front office. Um, and I think that that's the good side of things. But also I worry about the lack there of coaching that Ray Montgomery has done. And I think that we're bringing the front office into the coaching staff. And, and that very much so worries me, does it not, Nate? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, just to touch on a couple of things real quick. Benji Gill was the manager for Team Mexico under the national team. He was also a manager in Mexico. Um, so it's great to have uh, another manager in on the coaching staff. I think that's a big deal. Just helping Joe think through some things where Joe's like able to pick somebody else's brain because, you know, when, when you're managing games and, and things like that, you're like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this and somebody who's been there, done that and kind of understands what it's like to go through this is able to kind of either reassure you or maybe talk to you in a different way than, you know, somebody who's like never been a manager, like, Oh no, like I'm the pitching coach. And I know that, you know, Myers is the guy right here, Butchery's the guy or, or whatever. And it's like, you know, somebody's managed before them like, Hey, you know, I understand what you're thinking. I think that, you know, this might be a better way to go about things or, or whatever. So 
I think that's a big deal. I know Hassman's a really, really well-respected catching coach. So I know we lost a, a good friend in Jose Molina, but. And good coach too. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good Fair. coach, good player, everything. So hopefully he's able to step in and, and really help that catching staff, depending on who we get to uh, help Stassi behind the dish. But yeah, Ray Montgomery is going to be a, an interesting piece. Um, like you said, it, it does bring some communication between the front office and the coaching staff. It may be, you know, maybe Perry has signed a guy or two that's basically we want him used this way and maybe Joe hasn't used him that way in the past or maybe uh, who knows. And it just is able to bring that, that sense of um, communication down from there. Um, but the scary thing for me, you know, Joe Men is a little fiery. He gets kicked out of a game or two every year. Ray Montgomery becomes the manager. Do we trust that guy to make decisions? Well, does, uh, does he actually become the manager, though? I think that there are I, – I know that that's kind of the role, but well, – Technically, I mean, it goes – I mean, it could be, ben, it could be, uh, it could be Benji Gill. You could probably – you could probably throw any of the actual coaches in there, but no, 100%. But that, technically, that's thing. based on the way it works, it goes from manager to bench coach. So he would be the guy. Um, and yes, he's been a scout. Yes, but it's a completely different game when you're in the manager role and having to make decisions. You're having to think two, three, four, five innings ahead sometimes. It's, it's a thing where it's like, all right um, – I'm going to get Luke going because they have left, right, left. If Luke gives up a hit to the, one of the lefties or the righty, I got to make sure that uh, Buttrey's behind him and ready to go. And then if that guy can't get out of it, who do I go to? If he gets out of it, we start the, we're starting out getting clean. Like there's just so many different things. And then it's like, Oh, Otani, Otani started the game. So, so now we've got, no DH, we have to hit for our pitcher. Like, there's just so many different things where, where you haven't done it before. And I'm sure he'll be able to catch on quickly, but it's just something that, like, you're, you're born being able to, to do this, I think. I, I think a lot of people think it's very easy to just show up and, and like, oh, all I have to do is put pieces here. But it's, it's a feel thing. And I don't know if he has that manager feel of, of the game. So that's going to be an interesting interesting thing. And the other thing is, like, we've talked about this a lot. The Angels have not developed well. So we call this guy in to be the, the bench coach, and typically the bench coach is a guy who's very close to being a manager somewhere else, or he's been a manager somewhere else, depending on the staff and things like that. He's probably well-respected as a, as a coach. So if somebody's going through a slump, if somebody's going through something, that guy is able to go talk to him and be like, hey, you know, I think this is what's going on. It just kills one of your uh, <laughs> people who's allowed to make suggestions. I think that's something that you talk about a lot is as when you're working with big leaguers, it's more suggestion based, not like, Hey, this is the way you have to do things. And so it just kind of takes away another person who's going to be able to make suggestions. And, you know, you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen either, where you've got, you know, 10 guys in the dugout, three guys are, you know, you throw Adam Eaton in this mix because there's been reports of him being there. And it's like, what role does Adam Eaton have? So, oh, well, he's the assistant hitting coach and Gallegos is the assistant disc coach. And, and all of a sudden you've got 15 different coaches in there and you've got, you know, a Noah Syndergaard going up to his pitching coach going, Hey, I, I, I 
want to talk to you about this. And it's like, well, you know, I know you like talking to me, but I'm technically not the guy. You have to go talk to this person. It's like, oh. You know, maybe maybe I'll get along with him or whatever. So there's just so many different things that this could bring up. But um, definitely Perry's team and definitely something that, that we've seen uh, from a lot of other organizations that they're bringing in guys like this to, to take over. Yeah, and the one thing that worries me a lot right now is that you look at what happened when Billy had his chance. Billy had his chance. We've talked about this before. Um, and Jerry had his chance too. I, I don't think I, I both, I think both those guys kind of got the short end of the stick when you, when you look at it, but I know, I know it's just, eh, they, I think they kind of got the short end of the stick. Um, Billy, I don't know about Jerry. I think there was a lot going on with, with Jerry in the background. I, right. I unfortunately, I mean, I, again, I, I, side point on that, but I, I think that, I think that this is, I think we're seeing it happen again. Nate unfortunately. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, think that way. You know, I want to think that I want to think that because I don't understand what's happening right now, because I, I don't understand what's happening. What's happening with Billy. I, I kind of understood it. I got it. You know, like I was like, okay, like this makes sense. Like all this stuff, like the bullpen makes sense, you know, like everybody else is doing it. Why aren't the angels doing it? The angels are doing stuff kind of differently right now. And, and a lot of people don't understand it. And I think that might actually kind of be a good thing that we don't understand it in a sense. I, I, I want to understand it. I really do. But in, in a sense, I mean, you kind of get where I'm going with this, right? Like it's, it hasn't worked in the past, me understanding things and, and a lot of people understanding things. So why, why not just like camouflage it in a sense? Like it, it is could totally work. Like the Angels had one of the best bullpens in, ba in baseball last year, as weird as that sounds. I mean, even with the Rysela Glacius effect, um, of him being the best reliever in baseball, you know, like kind of how Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. And it kind of helps. Yeah, it helps. It helps. It helps a lot. It kind of but helps the numbers too a little bit. Definitely. But the Angels still had one of the best statistical bullpens in baseball last year, and I don't understand how or why that happened. You know, you look at their bullpen, and there shouldn't have been, but you look at fan graphs, and the Angels were up there. So I don't know. You know, that that's, that's kind of where I stand with this. If, if I don't understand it, it could be a good thing. And, and what the Angels are doing right now, I, I don't quite understand. Um, and it, it could be a good thing towards the development of players. It could be a good thing toward, at the end of the day towards the Angels winning. But I, I worry that this is, you know, what happened with, with Billy, what happened with Jerry, you know, like this is, this is Perry's shot. This is Perry's team right now, right? This isn't Joe's At the moment, it doesn't feel like this is Joe's team. Joe has say 100%. You know, he gets, he gets what's on the field. At the moment, I mean, now Ray Montgomery's down there, so Joe probably might not give it get as much say. Um, but at the moment, this this is Perry's year, you know, like and and, and that's that's kind of where it lies. And we saw Billy have his year, right? We're bringing in Osmus, and then the year after that, already took over, right? Yep. It was what happened? Awesome. What happened this year? What happens this year if it doesn't work for Perry? Does it already take over again? Probably, you know. So. I mean, it, history repeats itself, you know, like, and it's, it's an unfortunate thing that we, we have to continue to get down, get down to this, but I mean, the writing's on the wall again, right? It's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but the writing yeah. is on the wall again. And I hope this works out for Perry. I really do. Like there's nobody more that wants to see the angels win than me and you. And I mean, there's a lot of other people who want to see the angels win, but there's nobody else that wants to see the angels 
Perry, Mike Trout, you know, all these guys succeed more than you and I, you know, but, but the writing's on the wall that this is, you know, not going to work out again. It's as weird as it sounds. What is this? The eighth or ninth straight must win season. So uh, we, we've said it a lot and that's going to be something that's going to be talked about. It's what happens to this team if they're not in it come July, you know, like that's a serious question that we, we have to think about because if the pitching staff isn't as good as, as they think, then this team's probably in third or fourth place come July. Um, if the staff is good and, you know, they find a shortstop and, you know, guys stay healthy, they, they could be in this thing, you know, like, I mean, if you look at it, the Mariners were in this thing this year, we, we weren't expecting them to be in it. So, uh, that's going to be a big thing. Baseball is baseball, though. Anything can happen. So until I mean, we're we're talking about teams on paper at the moment and what could possibly happen. So it it's a lot of storylines going into the season. I, I am interested to see. I mean, I, I mean, one more talking point on the Ray Montgomery thing too that I we kind of failed to mention. I think you kind of mentioned it, but I I'll, I won't tiptoe around it. I'll get right onto it. Joe Madden hasn't been the best at deciding the bullpen. You know, like that's that's it's a career thing. That's not just an angel thing. That's a that's a Rays, a Cubs, and an Angels thing. So that's a and we saw we saw the Angels have one of the best bullpens in baseball last year. So maybe he did something right or he did something different. I'm not 100 percent sure. But Ray Montgomery being there really incorporates, you know, the the man Joe Madden in the front office, and that could be that missing link because Perry's built really good bullpens before when you look at it and uh, and it and not just Perry but Perry and staff so Perry understands it he he he's been around building good bullpens before so I think that I think that that's another you know mood point so I mean Joe was in Tampa though so I mean it's not like he hasn't had this before no 100 percent. so that's why I also think that Joe like we always talk about Joe like this isn't gonna fly with Joe this is gonna I mean Joe was Tampa before Tampa was Tampa you know like as, as weird as that sounds, like I, Joe Madden really was Tampa Bay before the Tampa Bay's Rays become became analytical. Yeah. Like, there's I, I forgot. I think Ta- I was talking. We were talking to Taylor about this on here, and or uh, no, you know who we were talking to? Um, uh, who wrote the book with Taylor? Wow, I can't believe I'm I'm the scout Bob. Yeah, I can't Bob Bob Fontaine. Wow, I can't believe I just blanked on that. Bob Fontaine was talking about it um, about how Joe Madden uh, was doing stats differently mm-hmm. before anybody else. And like the angels were the Tampa Bay Rays before the Tampa Bay Rays were the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, before we got analytical, that's what the angels were doing. You know, that's how they won their world series was because of that, you know, like the angels were doing in a sense money ball before, like before it even worked really. I mean, I guess it was the year after if you really want to get into it, but like that was the angels were, yeah, the angels were analytics before analytics happened. Like, it, it, so I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. It's, it's different. It's, I don't know. I'm intrigued. There's a lot of, a lot of really interesting talking points, a lot of interesting storylines headed into the season. I'm just hoping that we see, you know, some type of deal come, come February one. You know, I, I just want, I want all the trades to go through because there are trades. I want free agents to sign. I just, I want to see the coaching staff. I just want to see how it all happens, you know? So Nate, you got any final thoughts? Interesting. I don't know if you saw this. The Yankees are thinking about trying to get Mark Trumbo as their hitting coach, former angel. That'd be interesting. They, they're asking for a former player to take over for Eric Chavez, who went to the Mets. Uh, but just kind of funny that, that Trumbo's name is the one who flies out with that. So I just thought that was kind of interesting being an ex-angel and you know, possibly going to be a hitting coach with the Yankees. 
That is interesting. I don't know how I, like Mark Trumbo, the hitter. He's smart. I'll tell you that much. Mark Trumbo is really smart. <laughs> you know, like those are the best guys really have in it. But like you look at what Mark Trumbo did hitting wise and it's kind of interesting. You know, it's like putting David Fletcher as hitting coach. Nothing makes – like, he doesn't do things the normal way, but it works yeah. for him. So, But yeah. as long as he can get the body in the right place for guys, I don't know, like – or or just maybe the mindset of, of what it takes to be a hitter. I think those those are two things that he'll be able to bring to the table with a really good coaching staff. Like like I mentioned, the Southeast Missouri State uh, hitting coach, Coach Lawson, is the new hitting coach for the Yankees, and he is the, the man in charge. So he's a really good hitting coach, and I expect big things from the Yankees this year. Absolutely. So, guys, thanks so much for listening here at Talking Halos. Uh, don't stri- don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening or watch this. Press the subscribe button if you're if you're watching us here on YouTube. Uh, like I said, really enjoy it. I think this kind of gives us a different different dimension of watching. And I appreciate everybody who has already watched it. I mean, anybody who can give us feedback on on this would be fantastic. Anything you guys want to see, anything you like, anything you don't like, let us know. I, I I this is totally new to us. I've never done something like this on YouTube. It's um it's different. Like I said, so. I'm excited. I think it's working out really well. Um, so hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever that is. And, guys, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day.